ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode five of Aussie Talks. We've got a very exciting episode lined up for you guys here today. We're going to speak about the All-Star Weekend, how that has to change. There's going to be segments throughout. We're going to talk about the number one story in the world right now with the Russia saga. We're going to have my big call. There's a lot of things that is going to make this podcast very enjoyable for you. And without further ado, let's get in to our first topic of the day and that is how all-star weekend in the nba has to change now i realize speaking about the all-star weekend might slightly be out of date considering it happened about a week ago but this is my first episode since it has occurred now i will not lie the only bit of the all-star weekend i actually watched was the last quarter of the all-star game now growing up the all-star game from when I've been watching the NBA and when I remember, it hasn't exactly been too competitive. It's been better the last few years, but just go have a look at the first three quarters. You know, Steph Curry is shooting the ball crazy, but there's no one guarding him. You know, Giannis can literally walk backwards, do the moonwalk, Michael Jackson style and dunk and they won't care. What I would like to speak about, though, is more the dunk contests, the skills comp, that sort of thing. In the words of Stephen A. Smith, That was the worst slam dunk contest in the history of basketball. It was a national atrocity. It was awful. (laughs) And I completely agree with that statement. That dunk contest was terrible. And there's one person, one man, that we have to blame for all of this and that man is Dwayne Wade in the 2020 NBA dunk contest Aaron Gordon proceeded to jump over Taco Fall and got given a 47 making Derek Jones Jr. the winner since that dunk contest and that was one of the greatest dunk contests of all time with some of the best dunks ever it has been rubbish the bubble one was rubbish this year rubbish I didn't even watch it I haven't even watched the highlights I've just seen stuff online. I know it's rubbish. Don't waste your time. Don't, you know, this isn't something people are going to remember. Stuff has to change. There needs to be more competitive and proper dunkers in the dunk contest, but there won't be. Ja Morant was throwing down better dunks in the All-Star game than dunks in the night before. And the reason, because no one wants to go in the dunk contest because it's all rigged, because Derek Jones Jr. won instead of Aaron Gordon. Now, I want to get on to the All-Star game. I touched briefly on it a moment ago, and it was a great moment with LeBron hitting that game-winning shot in Cleveland. Brilliant moment. But they got to do something about the defense. They only start playing defense in the last quarter. You know, the other day I had a look at Michael Jordan's last All-Star game, and, man, they were playing defense. They were fouling, they were playing defense, everything. I don't know what, there was what, 163 to 161 or something, the final score. That's not basketball, man. I know they changed the rules with getting uh, the first to get um, 24 points or something after um, a certain point in the last quarter, and that's been good for competitiveness, but I just don't know about it, man. They need to do something about it. I don't know what they're going to be able to do, but the fact there's no defense in the All-Star game just takes away from it a bit. It happens in the last quarter, but it needs to be throughout the whole game if you want to bring back that All-Star weekend uh, to the levels it was back in the 80s and 90s, which was the peak of dunk contests and the peak of the All-Star games back in that time. 
It is now time for a segment that was in the first episode of Aussie Talks. It is time for Gag of the Week. Now, some of you may have already seen this clip as it is a couple of weeks old, but I cannot let this slide without having my thoughts about it. This was a member of the ABC making a comment in response to Scott Morrison saying he ate white bread. The comment about bread was really, in, the, the white bread was really interesting. Who eats uh, white bread in this country? Anglo men. Um, I come from a working class background. We had brown bread because we were healthy. I think that it shows a, a deep lack of understanding as to who works in this country. I think that um, there's a deep intersection of race and class. After I record this podcast, I'm going to send it to the aliens and they are going to wipe us off the face of the earth because I think with that clip there, it just shows that we need to just reset as a society and start again because the fact that ABC gives a platform to people like that is just a complete joke. This is a public broadcaster. This is taxpayer dollars going towards giving absolute dimwits that sort of platform. White Anglo men eat white bread. For goodness sake. The guy was asked whether or not or what type of bread he ate. Tip top's the one good on your mum. He could have said that. Are you going to find a way to bag him out just because you have a political vendetta against them, even though you're a public broadcaster and I've always been taught in school that the ABC is the most central and moderate platform for media? Absolute rubbish. The funny thing is they actually said working class, you know, we ate brown bread. Funny thing is white bread's actually cheaper than brown bread brown bread so it just shows how this person is just talking out their ass to be honest um and yeah that's gag of the week right there and i'm sorry i had to provide you with that clip as i know your brain cells have started to die and you may start questioning society uh, but i think this should be a lesson that no one should take anything the abc says seriously because taxpayer dollars are going towards it and people like this just make white anglo men eating white bread for goodness sake Now, it's the number one story in the world at the moment is, of course, the Ukraine and Russia situation. I just want to have a brief sort of chat about that um, with everything that's been seen online, the actions of the Russian military and Vladimir Putin. It is a disgrace that in this day and age, in the 21st century, that we can have countries just invaded over these sort of circumstances he's just charged in and full credit to the ukrainian president i don't know his name and i probably couldn't pronounce it but what he has done his leadership during this war crisis whatever you want to call it has been extraordinary the fact he stayed in the country he's been you know a, a symbol for everyone around the world on what true leadership looks like he's been a real inspiration it's these sort of stuff that live on People will remember the actions of the Ukrainian president and how he stayed, how he fought, how he stayed by his people. And that is full credit to him. Obviously, his time might be limited with the fact that everything we're reading, that Russian um, the Russian military have got squads that Vladimir Putin has assigned to take out the Ukraine president, um, as he believes. Once that's done, it will create an effect on the way down um, and... 
basically allowed them to take over Ukraine with no issues. A lot of people have been asking why he's doing this, and there's obviously several reasons. One, obviously, he wants to revitalize the power that Russia and the Soviet Union had back in the 90s. He was a former KGB agent, Vladimir Putin, and he wants that um, to go down as in history as someone in Russian culture as good as Stalin um, and is remembered for bringing back the uh, economical power of the Soviet Union and the uh, overall fear around the world. Another thing that isn't being described enough um, and talked about is Ukraine is a very resourceful country and it's going to provide, although all the sanctions are being imposed on Russia, and I'll get to that in a sec, we uh, saw Ukraine have... A lot of there's a lot of ports that they have a lot of trade in southern Ukraine. If Russia was to take control of that, they'd be able to control trade through Europe, um, and that'd be huge for them. There's a lot of natural resources and fossil fuels that they can use, um, natural gas, that sort of stuff. So, if they're able to get through this, Russia, it'll be uh, very good for their economy. But the sanctions that have been placed are now starting to have effect. It took the US government, it took foreign governments a few days to get their shit together, but now they're actually imposing sanctions that's causing problems. Um, the oligarchs, are, rumors are saying that they're not too happy about it. Putin's starting to fire um, secretaries and directors of the military because he thought this would happen uh, a lot quicker, this invasion. As we saw with Crimea uh, back in 2014, it only took about a month to take over that area and they could have kept going if they wanted to. Um, but these sanctions, it should have started off shockingly. But it's taken them five, six days to get it shocking. And even though there's been war crimes, children killed, innocent people killed from these missiles. I think one happened today. A missile went into a TV um, broadcasting station of Ukraine, which was shocking is the definition of a war crime. But as everyone knows, the UN's a complete joke. The fact that Russia is the head of the UN Security Council just uh, just shows how Ukraine as a whole, uh, sorry, not Ukraine, the UN as a whole is just a complete joke. The fact they were able to veto a, a bill um, and a resolution that was condemning the actions and providing um, aid to Ukraine is just a joke. Uh, the UN Security Council provide me with one good thing they've actually done. They're just appalling. The fact that, yeah, Russia is the head of it is just a complete joke with all their human rights abusers. And shame on shame on China and, and India for not voting um, on that resolution. I don't know what India's got on it. They seem to be a, a respectful and decent country, but after the actions of their UN Security Council representative, it, it's a, raised a big question. But this all goes back, the whole reason this started is what happened in Afghanistan uh, about six months back. If this was a incident that wasn't um, premeditated by the Russian government, then you'd be like, oh, okay, it'd be sort of spontaneous. But no, Russia have been planning to take over Ukraine for 20-plus years. And they saw how weak the US government and foreign governments are with the pullout of Afghanistan, the fact that we just handed the Afghanistan country over to the Taliban where now there's been people uh, sold into sex trafficking rings, people being killed beheaded it's just appalling and it starts with that and that's why now we see russia doing their action because they know the world's not going to fight back and china's just sitting back going taiwan's looking real nice in uh in six months time but just want to give my thoughts is very serious situation obviously our thoughts and prayers go off um to everyone in ukraine and we're hoping that there's a peaceful resolution to this and uh yeah just not good for the world that this could happen um in this day and age where a country could just be taken over 
um, with very little consequences um, besides some sanctions, which are too little too late. I want to talk about now what I consider to be one of the just dumbest decisions in the, the sport of soccer. Uh, it involves the bringing on of players or bringing on of a goalkeeper in the last two minutes or one minute of the game for the penalty shootout or to take a penalty. Now, I watched the Carabao Cup a couple of mornings ago. I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm over the moon. But i got to say, that was one of the best goalkeeping performances ever I saw from Mendy. Keller was brilliant, but Mendy in that game was superb. So what does the manager go and do when Mendy has saved everything, he's kept his team in it almost single-handedly? He stubs him off for the penalty shootout for Kepa. Kepa is the most expensive goalkeeper signing ever, or one of the highest ever, and he's a second choice. Why would you sub on a bloke who hasn't had the ball in his hands? Why would you sub on the bloke who hasn't played the whole game? Why would you sub on a bloke who hasn't played in months because Mendy's taken his spot with being the best goalkeeper in the world? It is the dumbest thing. The same thing happened in the Euros. What did the manager of England, Gareth Southgate, do? He subbed on Sancho and Rashford. I'm, as, I'm pretty sure that's right. Sanford, uh, Sancho and Rashford to take the penalties. They didn't touch the ball in the extra time period. They got subbed on with a minute left. How are you meant in any other sport? Think about it. Basketball. You get subbed on straight away. You're not likely to make the first uh, a shot the first time you touch it. Cricket, first ball. You don't see guys in test matches hitting sixes with their first ball. It is the dumbest thing in soccer. It, this is where managers overthink stuff. Now, it's turned out good for me here in the end with Liverpool winning. I'm over the moon. But I know it's just a League Cup, so I might be over the moon. might be a bit of an exaggeration, but it is the dumbest thing. I, I don't know how I can make that more clearer. It also happened, uh, I think, this year in the Premier League or back into last season. I was watching a Brighton versus Man United. Brighton won a penalty, and they brought a guy on to take the, uh, the penalty kick. It just makes no sense. Why would you bring a bloke on who hasn't touched the ball? Uh... It's cost Chelsea here. Uh, Kepa couldn't save anything. He, he, you know, it's just appalling from him. Brilliant game, 11-10 on penalties. And uh, if you're the Spanish uh, manager, I don't know what you do with uh, the keeper if there's a penalty shootout in this year's World Cup because De Gea, he he had 11 penalties go past him and missed his in the Europa League final. And now uh, Kepa's done it. So I think the moral of the story is you don't sub keepers off and you don't sub players on just to take penalties when they haven't touched the ball. Now it is time for a segment which was in episode three. It was called Rant Time and it was more of a spontaneous segment. But I've got something today that got suggested by a mate of mine with something we experienced in our Friday night cricket match and it's something that I just want to put out there. So this is now a segment that I like to call 60 Second Rant. That, that, that is blasphemous. That is blasphemous. So for this segment, there is going to be 60 seconds on the clock, and I am going to be choosing a topic each episode. And this one here is something that my mate suggested to me, and it was something that quite got to me on Friday night when I was playing cricket. And that topic is when refs or umpires try to implement themselves into the game that they are officiating. So I now have 60 seconds on the clock. And without further ado, we are underway. And I want to speak about this because on Friday night when I played cricket, I didn't bowl a great over. I didn't bowl a great ball. And the umpire started to give me feedback. I wasn't happy with myself. So I said some bad words. And he said, oh, you know, that's not good 
good enough. Mate, I don't care. This is my way of getting anger out of my system when I bowl a bad ball. The same thing happens in basketball. I've never had a ref tell me what to do, but I've seen cases of refs telling, oh, you know, keep your hands out or, you know, make sure you flick your wrist. Mate, if you were any good, you wouldn't be refing. I'm a basketball ref. It's not a great gig, but it's easy cash. But you never tell a player what they can do or not. You're there to ref. You're there to umpire. Do your job. Don't try and implement yourself. AFL umpires try and do it all the time. They make it about them. It's a disgrace to sport. It's changing sport. It's making it about them. It's, oh, look at me, look at me. Razor Ray does it every time, and it shits me. But this is why I want to speak about this, because it happened to me on Friday night. It shits me. It's just a pain in the ass. We need to get this out of the game. Enough with it. Umpires, you're there to ref. That's it. And that's my 60-second rant. It is now time for everyone's favourite segment. It is time for Jordan's Big Call. Now, before I make another big call, I think it's important to reflect back on the big calls I've made and see how I've gone. Episode one, I said Tissipas would win the Australian Open. I'm 0-1. Episode two, Lakers not making the playoffs. That's looking very good. Very, very good indeed. Episode three, I said Liverpool will win the league. That's looking pretty good. Episode four, I said that Joe Burrow would be Super Bowl MVP and the Bengals would win. That did not happen. Um, that was, yeah, that Super Bowl was ruined by the refs but without further ado let's get into my new big call for this week and my big call is at the australian cricket team with the um tour they're having in pakistan they will win two test matches to one so they will win the series 2-1 taking home the trophy now this may seem a bit uh out of place considering my recent comments on the Australian cricket team and how they've dismissed Justin Langer. But call it patriot, uh, the uh, patriotic, call it whatever you want. I just have got a feeling that Australia are going to win 2-1 in the Test Series against Pakistan in Pakistan. That is, of course, if there's no security issues, uh, which could ruin the series. But that is my big call. Now, as you might be able to guess from that little clip there, I'm doing a, my top three on the St Kilda Football Club, the top three players I have seen. So at number three, I've got Jack Steele, and this may be considered a bit of a controversial pick, saying he was a better player than Brendan Goddard and Nick Del Santo. And it is a very tough pick. I went uh, took a bit of time to decide this, but I reckon Jack Steele is the third best player for St Kilda I've seen. He's still very young um, on the side of things. He's probably, I'm not even lying, he's been robbed of two top twos, at least in the in the Brownlow medal count. The fact he finished fifth, I think, uh, the past season uh, was just a complete joke. So he's at number three. Number two, and this is someone who compares, uh, who Jack Steele compares very well to, and that's Lenny Hayes. Although I don't recall a lot of his playing 
time. I do remember his performance in the 2010 Grand Final. He always gave it 100%. He was just a model for what a footy player should be and really represented the St Kilda Football Club. And hopefully one day he can come back and actually coach St Kilda. He's been coaching in the midfield with GWS for years and I think he's, he's moved on a bit now. But if he could come back and coach St Kilda, oh, that would bring back some memories. And at number one, as you could probably have guessed from that clip, Nick Revolt is the best St Kilda player I have seen. He's one of arguably he's probably a top three, top five player that I've seen. Um, for many St Kilda supporters out there, he was the only reason we went to the footy uh, post-2011. Uh, probably the hardest worker ever in terms of the way he ran, uh, the way he ran, the way he marked. Uh, it was a joy to watch. And, yeah, when he retired, it was uh, incredibly emotional. But he, uh, yeah, he was something else, Nick Revolt. And it's great to hear him on the commentary from uh, time to time. But when he played, you knew he, he was going to give you everything. He was never going to quit. And, uh, yeah, I hope all some Kilda supporters who are listening to this have their own opinion on the top three players they've seen. And I know some older ones will definitely view, you know, the likes of Tony Lockett and Robert Harvey a bit higher. higher. Um, but that is my top three. And, unfortunately, none of those have uh, experienced premiership success but maybe Jack Steele can break that trend. All right, that is the end of Episode 5 of Aussie Talks. I'd like to thank you all for listening. We discussed some great topics here today with some serious ones, a bit more and uh, some more fun segments in there as well that I hope you all enjoyed. Sorry, it's been about a two-week break between podcasts. I just haven't had a lot of time to get it together, but I will do my best to get these out more regularly. I'd also like to thank all my listeners, all the support that I've received, um, people loving the podcast and that sort of stuff. It really means a lot and motivates me to keep doing more for you, uh, you guys. So thanks very much for listening, and uh, until next time, guys, cheers. Cheers.